You're listening to the Safety Work Podcast, episode 43. Today we're asking the question, how is leadership development experienced? Let's get started. Hey everybody, my name's David Proven and I'm here with Drew Ray and we're from the Safety Science Innovation Lab at Griffith University. For us, the Safety of Work podcast isn't a commercial project. What we're trying to do is read more high quality safety research ourselves and then share it with you to help create more evidence-based safety practice, which is something that we're really both passionate about in our individual research. If you know other people who might benefit from this podcast, please help us and them by sharing it around. It also really helps encourage us when we get emails responding to the show or suggesting topics for future episodes. So Drew, in this episode, we're going to follow on from last week in response to the poll that we asked our listeners what they'd like to hear more about, and the answer was safety leadership. So Drew, what's today's question in relation to safety leadership? So when we were searching around trying to find a couple of more papers talking about leadership, there are really only two big practical questions that the research tries to answer. For individuals, how can I be a better leader? And for people in an organisation, how can my organisation encourage or create better leadership? And it's that second one that we're going to be talking about more today. Uh, the common term for that, that for creating better leadership is leadership development. Lots of organisations have specific programs for this. Uh, some organisations even have safety-specific leadership programs. But even though there's lots of research about leadership that feeds into these programs, there's very little leadership very little research on safety leadership development. And when there is, it tends to get mixed up with attempts to improve safety culture or more general attempts to improve leadership. So there isn't research we can focus on how do you develop safety leaders. We're going to focus instead on research about general leadership development and try to draw some links from that to the safety world. So David, you've spent more time in large organisations than I have. Can you talk a little bit about your own experience? Did you ever get like formally trained as a leader? Yeah, look, Drew, I've been in a whole raft of leadership development programs run internal to organizations. So when I think of those, I mean specific programs that organizations have developed themselves, generally with support of consulting organizations or, or learning and development type institutions. So these have anything from a five-day frontline supervisor leadership program that I've been part of through to safety-specific uh, leadership development workshops. I've also been involved in um, programs that have been collaborations between, say, for example, an organization that I was working for and a university, which was developing leadership development skills like you might get through an MBA or something like that. So, look, Drew, I think organizations do this a lot. As I read the paper, I, I really learned a lot about how maybe to position these uh, development programs in the context of the leaders within that organization. Thanks for that, David. So the paper we've chosen is called Six Ways of Understanding Leadership Development, an Exploration of Increasing Complexity. It's published in a journal called Just Leadership. It's a fairly small journal, doesn't have a high impact factor, but it publishes a lot of interesting stuff. Around half its papers, including the one we're talking about today, are open access. So if you're interested in leadership or interested in reading a bit about leadership research, I'd recommend just going to the journal webpage and having a browse through recent issues, focusing on the ones that they've made open access. The authors of the paper are 
David, you're much better with pronouncing Swedish names than I am. Oh, wow. Sophia Kjellström, Christian Stahl, and Oskar Tornblom. Thanks, David. As you might imagine, they're from two different Swedish universities, Jon Kopling and Malmö. Uh, the first author is a really fascinating multidisciplinary researcher. Uh, the way she puts it in her profile is her specialty is adult development theories that show how people have qualitatively different complex ways to interpret and manage life experiences. And the way I sort of translate that is that just like when we're studying complex topics like safety, I think we should focus on describing work as our kind of basic unit of analysis. Kelstrom thinks that when we study topics like leadership, we should focus on how understanding how individuals interpret and manage their life experiences rather than on the sort of abstract concepts. And that really comes through in the paper that we're going to look at. And I think, Drew, if, if listeners recall in episode 30, when we talked about the professional identity research that I conducted during my PhD on the safety professional identity, I think that that paper, well, that paper does conclude that as the life experiences of safety professionals go the most way towards shaping how they view their role of the safety professional within their organisation. So when I was reading this, I was actually, I hadn't thought about leadership in that way. I just hadn't thought about it like that, but I think it, I can understand why when we're thinking about individual roles and the development of individuals in individual roles, that thinking about the activities that we want leaders to do is going to be less important potentially than thinking about what experience those leaders have had that has shaped the way they think about their own leadership. And, and that topic of identity just sort of keeps coming up throughout the paper. In, including in this just idea of people taking on the mantle of leader as an identity and how leadership development feeds into that. So, David, we'll talk a little bit about the research method. Yeah, so, Drew, the method was interesting in a sense of not a bad way of going about it with three large organisations, and they took organisations from different industries and technologies, so a, a metal cutting and fabrication organisation, a more of a construction and infrastructure organisation, and then a software development organization. I think that was a good way of getting different types of in industries, different types of um, organizational cultures, and obviously different leadership development programs in place. So they could get a sense of where what they were getting a result of the three different organizations or the 21 different participants that they interviewed. They were all in Sweden, as you said. And so there was a broader context here in relation to the Swedish management style, Drew, where they the researchers characterized that as a style of management in Swedish organizations that has an emphasis on trust, on team building, on avoiding conflict and confrontation, and more seeking consensus, and one that is more liberal and sort of anti-hierarchical. So Drew, I suppose situating in the context of the, um, or the geopolitical context and cultural context of where these countries, companies operate, and the people inside, three, three basic questions in their interviews. What is leadership development? what promotes leadership development and what hinders leadership development as the three questions that they asked those 21 interviewees. And then the way that they went about analyzing it is something that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast before. Normally when we talk about interview studies, we talk about doing thematic analysis and we're usually referring to an approach called grounded theory or something that is at least affiliated with grounded theory where the central thing that we're concerned about is some sort of action or change. The technique we're using here is called phenomenography, which is much more focused on studying variations in human experience rather than studying behaviours and actions. So the researchers are asking people for specific examples. 
you're under each of those broad questions about leadership development, they are pressing people for their individual things that have happened to them or that they've done, but they're trying to get how people understand and experience leadership development rather than a more direct question like, you know, how do leaders develop or how should we develop leaders? So, Drew, the title of the paper is Six Ways of Understanding Leadership Development. So shouldn't come as a surprise to our listeners that the analysis, the phenomenological analysis uh, landed on six different ways of understanding leadership. And so we'll go through all those six in order, Drew. Maybe we'll get you to introduce each of those six and then maybe I might make a comment on each one if I want to add a little bit more. Sure. So the first thing I should say is that, and this is sort of a spoiler for the end of the paper, the researchers conclude that these six things are almost like a hierarchy of complexity or sophistication. And in some sense, they're almost like stages that leaders go through in their evolution of thinking about themselves like a leader. So we'll start off with uh, number one, which is thinking about one's own development. So leadership development is about developing myself. And it doesn't even necessarily have a strong tie to leadership per se. It's where people start taking up responsibility to move more towards leadership. When they start seeking feedback on their own leadership from other people, when they start putting more conscious effort into managing oneself in the workspace. Andrew, I think I took out of the quotes that were referenced from the interviews in here that participants who conceptualise their leadership as their own immediate personal development talked about not being able to read or learn about leadership in a book, that the organisation should just look at what they have to do and, if necessary, get critical feedback from their team. But really, it was just about them going through their their life and incrementally trying to understand ways that they could be more effective. Yep. So the second level is labelled as filling a leader role. So this applies to people who are obviously currently in some sort of formal role. But it's interesting that of all of the people that they interviewed, they, some of them were in what they called leadership positions, I think eight out of the 23, and the rest they called professional positions, but a lot of them did have some leadership. They were, for example, leader of a small team or leader of a project. And so that's largely what they're talking here about filling some sort of formal role, is your position that is team leader or has a management designation. And they talk about sort of two ways of filling the role. One of them is horizontally, which is getting the competencies you need to do your current role effectively. And then the other is vertically, which is about using this role to get ready for the next role up in the hierarchy or in the organisation. It's interesting what they said about what things could and couldn't be taught here. The participants were generally saying that there are some things for which you need training, I mean, a key example there is they said, okay, someone who is in a formal leadership role needs training about what's legal and what's not legal as a team leader, or less formally, what are you allowed to do and not allowed to do as a manager? They said, okay, we need training for that. But there are other things that need daily practice and support. And one of the participants said, there's no point in sending me off on a three-day workshop about something. I need to be doing it all the time and having support to do it all the time. And so for that, It needs to be developed through networking with other managers and being able to go for advice when I need it. Yeah, Drew, I I think when I, with this filling a leadership position, either filling my current leadership position and thinking of leadership in terms of the role that I play and then thinking of the next role that I might play in in a different or a more senior leadership role, there was this view that leaders 
most leaders already had the right competence and motivation for their role and and that some of this development like you said was about preparing people for the next role or just understanding the nuances and the ongoing uh continuous improvement if you like of what they're currently doing in their present leadership position the, the third level is personal development so the previous level was very much about you know, stuff specific to the role this is stuff that goes outside or beyond the formal role uh, so they're talking about things like self-awareness, uh, reflection, and self-development. One of the ones that got mentioned more, in a, and th- this is the one that surprised me most, is talking about developing confidence and self-esteem, which maybe seems obvious when you think about it, but I hadn't sort of thought about that as something to deliberately develop in a leader. It's just that feeling of self-confidence that's secured knowing that you're good at your job. Yeah, Drew, it's just listening to you then, it's something that I think you take for granted that a leader, like the the confidence required to be effective in a leadership position or just to be comfortable personally um, in a in a leadership position in an organization. But this was the first, I suppose, level of thinking about leadership where the participants were talking about constantly challenging themselves around how they act and deliver results and not just in, in work, but in all aspects of the, their life. So I think his leadership is more of a personal quality that extended beyond that formal role like you mentioned the fourth level gets beyond personal development to talk about integrating the leader and organizational development so we're not quite at the point about getting away completely from individuals but we're talking about the idea of strategically developing individuals as part of trying to achieve the organization's aims and its operations So we're talking about leadership attributes here like consistency, so having all of your leaders in the organization behaving the same way and exhibiting the same uh, behaviors and values, Uh, talking about leaders becoming part of the organizational culture and being able to gently shape that culture where the organization wants it to go. Yeah, Drew, look, it's it's a very structuralist view of leadership, I think, if I um, reflect on this, where the primary objective of leadership development in an organisation is is to deliver organisational results. So it's like, first, we we need to align all of our leaders in our organisation and then create change collectively together in the pursuit of those organisational objectives. So I think we'll talk about this in a minute to spoil it, but I think this is this is sort of like a dominant collective view of how organisations might think of leadership development. David, I'd be interested in your thoughts as to whether, when we talk about safety leadership, this is often what we mean. You know, often I sort of find when people are saying, oh, we want to do more safety leadership in our organisation, what they really, that's almost code for the fact that they feel that the organisation is not quite aligned with where maybe some visionaries within the organization would like it to be pointing. So actually by talking about developing leaders, what they're also talking about is sort of aligning people with a slightly new direction in managing their safety. Yeah, I'd also probably go, whether it's a bit further or a bit backward than that alignment, I think some of it arises from maybe the observation of behaviors or or activities that leaders are or aren't performing or, you know, particularly in hindsight following incidents or or non-conformances or situations because i i think there's a comment at the end of this paper in the conclusions about let's stop thinking about leadership in terms of the activities we want leaders to do and so i think i think that's some of the challenges for safety leadership drew is that if we think of safety leadership in terms of the activities we want leaders to do then we think about a common set of activities for the whole organization and then we go and we try to train people in the consistency of those behaviours and and developing the culture. So 
I think you're absolutely right. I think I think this level of thinking about leadership, where where we want all leaders to lead in the same way to deliver organisational outcomes, including safety outcomes, is the thinking that generates all of our current safety leadership development programs, or most of them anyway. I won't say all of them. So level five then is what they've called collective leadership development. And them having given a big warning about this being focused on Sweden and Swedish management, I didn't really get much of a sense of that through the first four, but I think this one definitely matches up with this, particularly what they think is a Swedish vision of leadership. So this is thinking about leadership as a collective endeavour, where leadership is done by teams rather than individuals, and where if you have a team, that team itself is self-governing. So like individual small teams don't need leaders, but together they do leadership. So leadership includes things like building trust and social capital and maybe releasing some control. Andrew, I think this combining of perspectives where everyone evolves into leadership and then together the organisation gets collaboratively led. So this this is the idea that I took out of this rightly or wrongly, that thinking about organisational leadership as more than the sum of its parts. So it's not just about the individual leaderships, it's our leadership, and it's not even about just the people in leadership positions. It's how the organisation leads together. And I you know, I think without going into a huge safety culture discussion now, I read this as a little bit similar as to what, say, for example, the DuPont-Bradley curve with its interdependent level of culture and um, even Hudson's generative level of culture. I, I got the impression that this was the type of leadership thinking that was trying to be described in those um, very upper ends of those safety cultural maturity ladders. If you Would you see it like that or have I just drawn too long a bow? I think they're certainly talking about it as something which they consider to be beyond and above a very hierarchical or, or transactional style of leadership and culture. And that's actually probably worth talking about this before we go on to level six, which is a little bit odd. The reason why the authors think of this as a scale or as a ladder or almost like maturity levels is that they said that if people talk about this collective leadership development level five, they also already talk about all of the other four levels. Whereas if someone talks about level four, they'll talk about the lower levels, one, two, and three, but not level five. And if someone talks about level three, they'll talk about level one and two. And then some people are just talking about level one or just talking about level one and two. And that's the justification for why they treat this as increasing complexity and increasing sophistication. So I think just to recap, because you talked about one, two, three, four, and five, then I think just to make it easy for our listeners, how we build on um, these levels of complexity. So people would say, I need to manage myself and improve myself. The next one is to, I'm filling a leadership position. So I need to think about myself as a leader and think deliberately about how I do that and starting to think about my my leadership career. And they'll also be thinking about their own development as part of that. Then there's this personal development, which is my role as a leader, but then my role you know, throughout the organization, more broader than the organization. And then they're starting to think about the, the collective delivery of organizational objectives as a collective leadership group. And then we're into this five, which is this, um, this organization delivering results in terms of self-governing and, and teams of leaders. So I just thought it was worth a quid of a one five recap, just to reinforce that point you said, which is that people didn't fall in a category. The researchers were just trying to see how far they could stretch people's views of what leadership were and see where they stopped. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And some people sort of stretch all the way up to the thinking of leadership in the context of the whole organization as a collaborative endeavor. Some people don't stretch any further than 
uh, this is what I do, this is how I manage myself. And then level six, the authors were less clear that this definitely sits above the rest of the hierarchy. And to be honest, David, I was a little bit confused at exactly what they were getting at. But the idea here, they've, they've labelled it as human development, and they said this is an open-ended view of leadership which is bigger than the organisation. So it's more about sort of leadership on values rather than leadership of an organisation. Yeah, Drew, what I took out of this, and we, we didn't know so much about it, but obviously this is probably some, I mean, 21 or so interviewees and, and, and a number of those were in functional roles and I suppose maybe even leadership development or learning and development practitioners. So this struck me as a couple of people who had these really holistic maybe or transformational views of leadership as like, it's almost like when they got asked the question, what is leadership? They answered a bit of these, what is the meaning of life <laughs> type question? You know, I'm, yeah, so I, I could think of a couple of people in that cohort who who had a very, very expansive view of a leader and what it meant to be a leader, like a Nelson Mandela type of view of leadership. And David, just as you were saying that, I was realizing that given their argument that different people get to different levels, and we've only interviewed 23 people, by the time we get to level six, we can only be down to one or two people who are expressing these views. Yeah, so I think those researchers would have had some wide-ranging conversations with a, with a couple of people. But I think it is fair to say that there is there is that view if we look at other other ideas about leadership more broadly than maybe organisational leadership. There there will be people who view leadership as a thing that's much bigger than themselves and much bigger than their organisation, as a very open-ended sort of personal transformation journey. And some people see that as the role of leadership development within organisations too, to make everyone down to the supervisor. This um this this transformational, you know, leader. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair way of looking at it. From, from a research methods point of view, I guess I should point out that one of the boons, but also challenges of this phenomenographical approach is that you can't contradict the people who are telling you their experiences. You can ask them for examples and you can get them to elaborate, but their view of their own experiences is equally valid to anyone else's. So you ask someone about leadership in an organization, they want to talk about Nelson Mandela. That's what the conversation's about. Yeah, Andrew, look, I think what the authors are researching here is is how people experience leadership and leadership development. So as a starting point of understanding what you might do in an organization to further develop your leadership. And so they've, they've come up with these six different uh, ways of thinking about leadership and therefore ways that organizations should think about doing their leadership development. They don't then go on in this paper, because that wasn't the purpose of the paper, to talk about how to develop leaders. But I think, Drew, if we start talking about some of the conclusions that, that the paper drew and then some specific conclusions for safety leadership development, I think what their, what their first practical conclusion, if you like, is that before an organization even starts doing leadership development, it should conduct a critical analysis or a sense-making process in relation to trying to understand the underlying assumptions about leadership in an organization. So, Drew, they propose three three questions to um, start the, I suppose, that critical analysis within your own organization. I might just run through these and then you can we can talk a little bit more about why we might be doing this. So, they sort of suggest unless you can answer answer these types of questions, then there's no point even getting started with leadership development. And question number one, which ways of understanding leadership do I and my organization currently have? And I probably being the practitioner who's trying to design the leadership development program. Number two, 
what are the assumptions of leadership development in my organization and how are these assumptions articulated in our existing policies, training programs and um, leadership behaviors in the organization? And number three, what is the historical and future focus of our organization regarding leadership development, investment and leadership activities? So Drew, unless you can have, a, have an aligned and a, and a good understanding of those things, the researchers suggest or the authors of this paper suggest there's not much point in getting started with leadership development activities. I think that's a really practical insight for safety leadership development. And I know the authors didn't intend it this simplistically, but I think it is reasonable, at least as a starting point, to think, okay, we've got these five or six really quite different understandings of what leadership development is. And so when we tell each other, hey, we need to do more to develop safety leadership, and we all agree that that's important... We could be talking about really very, very different things. So, you know, right down at level one, we could talk about just encouraging junior staff in the organization to start thinking of themselves as leaders in the organization of safety. Or, you know, equipping our safety advisors with a bit more confidence to start taking on more responsibility. Looking up at level five, we can be talking about managing to align expectations of our leadership teams with where we'd like the organization to go in terms of safety. And that's what we mean by enhancing safety leadership. Somewhere in the middle, we're talking about getting clearer definitions of what we expect of mid-level leaders when it comes to safety responsibilities and making sure that they're appropriately equipped with training and networking to achieve those roles. Yeah, I think, Drew, the the authors say that is without doing this sort of analysis, without doing this this reflection, you won't have that understanding of where your leaders are coming from and and are your your ideas about leadership in your organisation consistent or, or wildly different. And therefore, you're unlikely to have a leadership development um, program that actually matches the the current needs, assumptions, beliefs, um, identity of leaders in your business. From a functional perspective, um, the authors, I suppose, hypothesize that that level four is where most organizations start, which is just we need to align all of our leaders to deliver on organizational goals. And I think this study would show you that there's a number of people in the organization in leadership positions who probably don't lead, think of leadership in, in, that, in that kind of a way. So hitting them with a program that's going to try to deliver that is not meeting them where they're at and it's not um, probably helping them to take the next step in their own leadership development. And another thing to point out there is that it's clear from this analysis that even within these organizations, there were people at totally different levels. So it's not just about, you know, designing a leadership program that's going to meet your organization where it's at. It's that not every individual is going to be able to meet your leadership program if you pitch it at any particular level. Yeah. And so, Drew, even that what I was just saying before about that level where most organizational programs are pitched, um, and that's where we paused and suggested uh, that most safety leadership programs are pitched, in this very small study, you know, only half of the interviewees actually express this idea or, or leadership as being at the level of that idea. Now, that might surprise a lot of our listeners and surprise a lot of um, senior leaders that, you know, half the people in my organization in a leadership position don't think of their role as aligning with other leaders and delivering the organization's objectives. But hey, you know, you might not be a supervisor or a frontline leader or, or someone else in a leadership position. So, you know, 50% of people don't see leadership like that. So, um, so like you said, Drew, you know, at best hitting, hitting your organization with a program like that will probably hit the mark for a quarter of your people, probably not hit the mark for 
the other quarter that think of leadership beyond that and not hit the mark for the 50% of people who don't think about leadership like that. So David, I don't know if you noticed this or if it's something that I missed, but I didn't see anywhere in the paper where they tried to line these levels up either with current rank in the organization or with experience. I didn't see any indication that like the more sophisticated understandings came with the more senior leadership. No, you're right, Drew. I, I, I suppose that was my own bias then thinking about how I think practitioners and, and maybe some senior leaders might think about leadership just through, I suppose, having like what this paper talks about is that, you know, these leadership, these views on leadership and leadership development are formed by experiences. So, you know, my assumption, which again, not reflected from the paper was that people with longer leadership careers and lo- and more leadership experiences inside an organization might think of leadership in a more complex way. Yes, I think that's a reasonable assumption, but possibly not a safe one to make universally. No. I think sometimes we get quite simplistic in saying, oh, we need junior leadership development programs that focus at this level and mid-career programs that focus at this level. And Yeah, not advocating for that, but not not advocating for that either, because I think there is different leadership needs at different levels of leadership, just based on the the activities and the decisions that happen at different levels. But you're right, Drew, just just forming an assumption around the complexity in which people think about leadership at different levels is not a good thing for me to have done. So just before we move on from this space, the other thing that they say is that they think that just having that conversation within your organisation is itself a positive thing, that that's actually part of leadership development in your organisation is to have this conversation about what we understand leadership to be, what we want leadership to be even if it doesn't lead on to changes to your formal leadership development program, it's a conversation worth having. Andrew, I think from a ref, re, from a reflective practice point of view, and we haven't done a podcast on reflective practice, but it might be one that we dig out because there's quite a, I want to say quite a lot, but there's enough research in that space to suggest that there's parts of it that are, that are quite useful in that you might actually find that just going through your organization and asking those questions is in itself probably the most effective, might be a, a more effective leadership development process than anything else because asking people individually to reflect on what good leadership looks like or what leadership looks like and you know how they fulfill their role as a leader and how they develop their themselves as a leader is for nothing else at least going to have them reflect on their own practices and and that's a good thing and that might be better than a standard program that you run across your whole organization like a three-day workshop which was mentioned by one of the participants in this is something not to do. Mm. And this, I think, then links back to some of these comments about leadership identity. There's an interesting statement in the paper that people participating in leadership development programs, they're not doing it cynically, but they are trying to align their own identity as a leader with what the organisation thinks that a leader is. I think the term they used is organisationally sanctioned identities that people are trying to mould and fit themselves into. So if people are trying to do that, then we really want to have a conversation about what we'd like those identities to look like. Yeah, and look, we we spent a lot of time on this because I think it's a really fascinating point, but what what I took out of that part of the paper was that they said that, say, a safety manager and and a learning and development manager have a view of what leadership looks like from all of the leadership textbooks they've read and all of the, you know, maybe safety leadership models that they've read. So they form a program around that and then they deliver that to their organization and their leaders within their organization sort of adopt, like you say, that sanctioned identity and, and do this stuff, but it, it actually possibly doesn't really match how they think they should be leading. And you create this sort of artificial cycle. And I may as well say it now because I'm going to say it later. They're basically saying that that's not only an unsustainable thing to do, but potentially an unethical thing to do inside organizations by you know tr- by not matching 
leadership development programs with an individual's leadership identity. Yeah, no, no, I've I've been thinking about that ethical side of it ever since they brought it up in the paper, because you, in in a sense, when we talk about leadership development, we are trying to transform people, but all of our descriptions of what a good leader is have all of these value laden statements in them, and and so we need to be careful that we are enhancing leadership. We're not trying to sort of mould people to fit values that they don't fit. Yeah, because if I suppose that maybe it just becomes a, a hearts and minds program for leaders or something like that then. So look, Drew, I wanted to do practical takeaways for safety leadership development a little bit, but I think we've actually woven some of that through the takeaways conversation that we've just had. So just just to reinforce, I think if I was if I was going to approach on a safety leadership development program in an organization based on this research, I'd actually start by asking all of my leaders in the organization the following questions like what does good safe what does good safety look like and what do good safety leaders do and drew do you want to add a few more questions as to what you'd ask to try to understand where your organization was at in relation to leadership conceptualization of safety and leadership to be honest david i i like having a couple of clear simple questions and just letting people speak and i'd love those two you've suggested there i think there are some great conversations that would come just out of those two questions so here's a perfect opportunity, uh, challenge question for our listeners to test out their ethnographic interviewing skills from our episode 41, is that if you are thinking about safety leadership improvement and development in your organization, or you do have an existing safety leadership program or something existing, go and speak to a whole cross section of safety leaders within your organization and ask them those two questions. What does good safety look, safety look like and what do good safety leaders do? Now, if you've got an existing program and all your people give you the same answers to that, that'll really test out your ethnographic interviewing skills to see whether you can actually start getting some underlying different answers from from all of your people. Andrew, I thought in terms of an invitation to listeners, um, number one is if you actually do go out and do that, then I'd love to hear what you find and please come back and tell us about that. If you've developed internal leadership development programs and you actually did something to specifically try to understand your leadership needs and beliefs prior to um, designing that program. I'd also really like to know how you went about understanding those needs and and you know how you ended up designing your program to match you know those beliefs and needs in your organisation. So that's it for this week. Uh, we hope you have found this episode thought provoking. We hope you enjoyed the fact. I think this is the first episode where we've deliberately set you some quite explicit homework to check in before our next episode. Send any comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes to feedback at safetyofwork.com. dot